Well, good morning, MPC family. It is so good to be here with you all today. Um, don't you just love good news? I think we all do. Um, there's nothing like it. It's so easy to receive, and it just brings out the best in all of us. You know, every day these past nine months, I've woken up, and it's so apparent to me, maybe more than ever before, that we're living in a broken world. A world where difficult and bad news dominates our news cycles. The headlines of late are pandemic, masks, social distancing, frequent hand sanitization, death tolls, not enough hospital beds, a shortage of vaccine, unemployment, businesses are closing, suicide is skyrocketing. And we have an extremely rough political and social scene going on right now. And even on our home front, in our own homes, our kids and our grandkids, they're struggling to make sense out of all of this. They're in the midst of social deprivation and online school. And I think you and I could admit that we're even suffering from cabin fever as well. Even in the walls and the community here at MPC, we're dealing with difficult news and difficult situations. We've had to adjust on the fly to the way that we deliver worship on Sunday mornings. We've had to adjust the ways that we communicate. And now we're working on how we're going to congregate in the future. Well, at the same time, we've been going through a transition for the last year of our beloved pastor retiring and moving on to that next phase of life. Things have not been easy. You know, on every front, there's difficulty. But in the middle of all of this mess, there is some really, really good news. And we need to talk about that this morning. You know, we have a hope and a future and a promise provided by God himself to that hope, that attests to that hope that we have. Enter Jesus Christ our Savior and our King. He brings hope and healing and life and light. And man, church, this is our testimony to the world. Times of turmoil, times that are filled with trouble, times when bad news is dominating, it is our finest hour, the church's finest hour. We have an unprecedented opportunity not only to speak, but more importantly, don't miss this, to live out the scripture that we claim to hold so dear in our hearts. We have to remember Paul's words to the Corinthians. It wasn't just persevere. It wasn't just endure. It wasn't just straining. It was about remembering the prize that's ahead of us, that prize we have in salvation through Jesus Christ, remembering that prize that's always before us. You know, we have to take the opportunity to share who and and what saved our lives, the things that changed our hearts, the things that give you and I a purpose. It's before us every day, the opportunity. As the redeemed of the Lord, we're called, you and I, redeemed of the Lord, we're called to stay the course and share the good news. I want you to open up your Bibles and read along today as I read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, 7. Read with me. 
How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Let's take a minute and pray with me. Lord Jesus, just remind us today of the priceless gift of salvation that you have given these undeserved lives. Thank you for the reconciliation we received from your completed work on the cross. And Lord, just remind us today of who we really are, where we've come from, and God, the mess that you saved us from through Jesus Christ. Lead us in the way of righteousness. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, I can't think of the good news without thinking about how many things in my lifetime God has saved me from, the messes that he's pulled me out of, the attitude that he's put into my heart when I don't deserve it at all. You know, interestingly enough, that verse that I just read from Isaiah, it says, how lovely are the feet of him who brings good news. Well, just a question this morning. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. What do my feet look like to the people around me? Are they the lovely feet bringing the good news? Or are they feet that brings chaos? Sometimes I think we have to ask, do we shine the light of Christ on difficult situations? Do we bring good news? Do we bring news of peace, good tidings, salvation? Or do we jump in and we just cast more gloom and doom? It's easy to forget as followers of Jesus that you and I were carrying the light inside of us. Many times uh, to share the good news we have to remember not only that we carry the light inside of us, but we have to die to ourselves. And we have to live in Christ. And as Mark said so beautifully last Sunday, we've got to let go and we've got to let God. It's you and it's me. We're, we're living lives in third place all the time. God's at the forefront. And it's followed by loving others and placing the needs of others well before our own and ourself way down on the list. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 9, it says, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have these treasures, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned, and we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Ultimately, we have the message of victory in us, living in us, but it's in these weak, fragile jars. We have to remember as a jar holding the message of Christ that we're just a vehicle. It's not our message that's powerful. It's the message of Christ inside of us. It's his message that's powerful. 
the gospel or the good news, it's not just a concept or a philosophy. It's a real person. Jesus of Nazareth, who walked on this earth to offer an alternative to humanity, a humanity that had no real hope. This is the same Jesus who died on the cross in order to redeem us, who announced himself as coming to do these things, to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, and to let the oppressed go free from Luke 4, 18. I mean, that is great news. As we draw our focus to the hope that we find in Jesus, the news just keeps getting better. As followers of Jesus, our response to adversity has everything to do with the way things move forward. You know, the choices are few for us as Christians. We're called to be gospel-focused, pointing people to Jesus instead of jumping on the bandwagon and perpetuating bad news. We're called to use all of these difficult situations and opportunities to share peace, to bring good tidings, to spread a message of salvation. In the midst of what seems like overwhelming darkness, you and I, we're called to shine the light of life. As followers of Jesus, we have a response to the world that's upside down. We have peace amongst the panic and divine guidance to help us avoid joining in that scurry for position and control over things that we know are most definitely in God's hands only. Jesus told us outright in Scripture that there'd be trouble in this world, but he also says, take heart. We've got to take heart. We can't get caught up in the whirlwind. We've got to take heart. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome it. Jesus says, in me, you'll have peace. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Don't you agree that the only real peace that you and I have to offer is that that's found in knowing some real solid biblical truths? The peace that comes from that knowledge of while we, while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us from Romans. And clearly, uh, that by grace we're saved by faith and not by works from Ephesians. And that by believing in the Son of God and receiving him, that all of us have the right to be called his children. We're equal in his eyes. There's no exceptions. There's no exclusions in that. From John 1.12. There's freedom for the addict. There's pardon for sin and shame. There's life instead of death. It's the best news ever. We have to consider our calling and our contribution to the relationships that God's put in for, before us in our lives. We should never add to the chaos. We should never contribute to the chaos around us. We're supposed to bring peace. We're peacemakers. Our feet are lovely. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to ask some difficult questions. 
Are we truly invested in Jesus Christ? I want to ask you that this morning. Are you truly invested in Jesus Christ? It's a worthy question. Are our hearts humble? Are we the ones who bear his name? Are our hearts humble? And so, so important, the core of everything. What's at our center? Is God's word central in our lives? If it's not, it has to be. We have to be honest with ourselves. It takes incredible humility and self-awareness to realize and acknowledge that we don't have it all together. The good news, though, the good news is that God does. If we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we need to allow him to be Lord in our own lives. We need him to be Lord over everything. We need to remember it's not our good news, it's his I want to leave you with some things today. I want to leave you with some quick thoughts on sharing the good news because it's what we're called to do, people. Number one, we need to give credit where credit is due. You know, a changed life is the greatest witness that this world is ever going to see. You want to witness to the world? Let God, through his Holy Spirit, change your life. We can't effectively share what we don't live out ourselves and what we don't believe ourselves. If we're not honest about our own struggles, we just come across as self-righteous. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of those good old Sunday school verses. You should have it underlined in your Bible, circled, highlighted, the forefront. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Doesn't that raise a question in you? It does in me. The question that it raises is, Are we, am I, trusting the Lord with all my heart? Or am I just asking other people to do it all the time? All through Scripture, we see the analogy of the heart and the heart at the center of who we are. Everything flows from the heart. If we want to share the good news, we have to remember who lives in our heart and the message that he gave us. The passage goes on and it says, in all your ways, submit to him. Are we acknowledging him in all of our ways? Again, are we just asking other people to do it? Are we included in this? Do we just offer lip service? Are we trying to live it out? Because we can't ask others to do what we're unwilling to do. The last part, he'll make your path straight. I'll go back to this again. Are we giving credit where credit is due? You know, if you give credit to the one who's doing all the work, if you give credit to Jesus Christ and credit to God for all the amazing things that he's doing, it leads you straight back to the good news. If you get off course and you want a path back to the good news, just start telling people the good things that God's doing and the good things that God has done for us. It'll lead you straight back to where you need to be. Number two, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, we must be transformed and our minds need to be renewed. How? Well, by the word of God. 
What enters our mind shows up in what we do. What goes in here shows up in who we are and how we act and what we do. We can't ever forget that. You know, Scripture tells us to study. Study to show yourself approved, 2 Timothy 2.15. Or that we need to be prepared to gracefully give a reason for the hope that we have to other people from 1 Peter 3.15. It tells us that true transformation comes from hearing the word, James 1, 20, 22 through 25. And then Luke 6:45 tells us that the content of the heart pours out through our mouths. What's in here comes out here. I say to our students all the time, Jesus in, Jesus out. I just want you to think about that one this morning. You know, I'm firing off a lot of verses at you today, and they're not going to all be on your screen. But what I want to encourage you to do is pick up God's Word and test the truth. Test what I'm saying. Take it in, pray over it, dwell on it, and turn God loose to do what He will with it. Number three in my final point. We need to be able to share the good news in humility. It's not a one-up, one-down situation where we know something and we hold it above everybody because we're better somehow. We're not better. We're the same. The unique beauty of the gospel story is that it puts the sharers, don't miss this, it puts the sharers on level ground with the hearers. In a world eager to fix things that are broken. Look around you today. Everybody's trying to fix things that are broken. We, as Christians, we have to let go of the fixing, and we have to allow God to actually do the work. And instead, we need to present ourselves not as completed works. We need to present ourselves to this world as needy, just like everybody else is. We invite others into the same peace and trust and surrender that we need ourselves and that we found in Christ. You know, this is so welcome to a world full of people that are exhausted and they're frustrated from a constant doctrine of self-help and self-improvement and bigger and better and more. The beauty of the gospel is so refreshing. It's good news. And we, you and I, need to share that. You know, I'm excited because, again, in a few weeks on the 28th, I'm going to have an opportunity to be back, and next time I'm back, we're going to hear from some of the discipleship leaders in our church right now, people who are on the front lines, people who are sharing the good news. We're going to hear their hearts. We're going to hear what God's doing, and church, we need it, and I'm excited for you to hear it. But before we end today, can we make a decision right now? Can we all make a decision right now, regardless of who, what, where, when, or why? Can we make a decision to repent ourselves of our self-centeredness? To let go of our own agendas and to trust thoroughly, completely, in the good news of Christ When this is all over and you turn off your TV, I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you to spend some time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and to bring light where we have cast darkness, to convict us of where we've gone wrong, and to mend those relationships, to help us remain gospel-driven and pointing others to the good news that Jesus Christ saves. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.